You're listening to Project Good Boss, the podcast with your host, Anna Shepherd. Good boss, well, you got to be a good boss. Let me hear you sing a good boss. Now come on, work hard, work hard, work hard. Oh, you got to be a good boss. Project Good Boss is a podcast dedicated to understanding the business benefits of kindness in leadership. We cover topics including, and not limited to, leadership equality, psychology, social impact, decent work and economic growth. All delivered with a little splash of good vibes. Now you got to be a good boss! On this episode, I will be chatting with Belinda Jane Dolan, who's the CEO of Clarity, an organisation that works alongside companies, teams and leaders to create the happiest, most productive and motivated workplaces on the planet. Clarity is a 16-time award-winning leadership and peak performance company. Founded in Australia and operating globally, Belinda and her team support organisational change, wellness and performance projects that drive employee engagement and deliver results for companies and their teams, which is needed now more than ever before, especially in the aftermath and the continued uncertainty of the COVID global crisis. Belinda is a current PhD researcher in the area of leadership and peak performance and has worked across a range of industries. On a quest to see higher levels of engagement and happiness within the workforces, led her and her team to develop Australia's first Chief Happiness Officer certificate program set to change the landscape of businesses across the globe. Look out for the book, The Chief Happiness Officer, which is also out this year. We are so happy to have Belinda on the show today. Hello, Belinda. Hi, I'm absolutely honoured to be here. Thank you so much for having me here. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to joining you on Project Good Boss today. So we always like to get straight under the lid, Belinda. We're no messing around. We're both Northern girls. I can hear that Northern accent there. So tell me something about you. Nobody would guess on first meeting you. So this is a good one. Now, if I was on stage or if I was in a meeting with you and I explained this, the first thing you would do is look to my leg. Now, you're going to think, what is she talking about? Well, I was actually born with a disability. And the reason why nobody knows that is because I run ultra marathons and I'm training to climb the seven summits and go to the North and South Pole as well. So, yeah, most people don't know that. And I often get people say, I don't believe you. (laughs) So, yeah, something that people don't know about me. Yeah, and you definitely wouldn't know that on a Zoom call either. So thank you for no, sharing that. Um, <laughs> so, so, so Clarity Group is creating the happiest workplaces on the planet, positively impacting the lives of one million and one people globally. So you live by your values, you love being of service and you're inspiring, inspiring others to reach their peak potential. But how are you doing this? Tell us a little bit about this, Belinda. So we, we do it in a number of ways. Um, one is obviously through our research. We, you know, we're heavily research focused as well. So we're currently researching within companies large and small across the world. 
the second the second and for me the most important i always think about it like a sandwich the second and the most important one for me is a lot of the stuff that we're doing to give back so when we you know we're doing all of these great things you know we have our um, chief happiness officers program for example award-winning i've got to keep saying award-winning um but for me every single person every client that works alongside us we give back so we then give back to set up a woman um, in a business, for example, or we set up to put a child through school. So when we talk about happiness, you know, yes, we've got all the theory behind it and the, you know, the studies. But for me, it's the part that they're, you know, they're giving back both obviously in, in Australia and Uganda. And we're looking at overseas in um, Nepal as well. So every so, person that goes through your programs, you actually give back and you empower somebody in a developing community. Is that, is that what's happening there? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so that's, I think, you know, if you ask how are we doing that, you know, yes, it's through the research. Yes, it's through giving back. And anybody, you know, that, that comes onto any of our programs or even our consultancy services. Like, for example, yesterday, I won't say names, but um, yesterday we had um, a payment from a client come through. So I immediately then uh, made sure that Uganda Kids, um, I'm, I'm going to shout out to Paul, actually, Paul Fife, and um, he's going to open his, um, his, his bank statement and, and find that uh, we just it's only a small donation we're not a multi-billion dollar company but for me the you know the, the the tsunami of change that we need starts with the little tiny things that we do the little droplets so um yeah creating it through a number of different ways amazing so let's let's find out i mean what drives and motivates you to run a business with a focus on happiness in the first place i mean i actually interestingly went to fiji a couple of years ago and while i was there i remember they were they were named the number one happiest people on the planet a few years back so i went and i sought, sought out a few you know uh, tribes and and leaders that might share with me some advice and tips around happiness and i remember one of them saying you know, why are you thinking about it so much? Like we, we don't sit and think about happiness all day. You know, we just are, we just are, we just live. We're just happy for the breath that we take in and to be waking up to have another day together. And it was so interesting. It was almost like this Western agenda of trying to seek happiness rather than just be in a place where you can appreciate happiness. And I found it so interesting. So what is it that drives you um, to, uh, to, you know, be focusing on this? What's your career story? What led you to create this business, Belinda? So I think the happiness journey started, um, I think from being very, very young, obviously, you know, coming from, you, you often find that some of the happiest people in the world have also been through some of the most challenging aspects, either that or they've grown up, as you so rightly, um, so rightly talked about, you know, they've grown up in an environment where happiness is at the core, it's at the foundation, it's their, you know, their raison d'etre, the reason for living. Those of us that have had challenges, you know, from being children, for example, you often find that happiness also stems from that as well. And I think that's where mine started, obviously, from, um, you know, from being very, very young. And, and then I think from the, you know, the obviously progressing through career and university. And then if I'm being truly, truly honest about why I set up Clarity and why I do what I do, I, my mum is the happiest 
person on the planet. Oh, is she? Oh, what's your mum called, Belinda? So she, she unfortunately, and the, one of the reasons why I say, you know, I set the, the, the business up in, I suppose in a legacy towards my mum, but it took me a few years to find that out though. This is not something that I found out, you know, it, it, it came over time. So I, I was very, very young. My sister was 15 at the time and I was in my twenties and I heard the words that I don't wish anybody to ever hear and particularly not a child of, of 15 years of age. And um, my mum, as I said, the happiest um, woman on the planet, person on the planet, she said, sweetheart, I have cancer mm. and it was those words that shook my world like the it was like someone just completely stopped the world almost and and obviously through the grief and um, you know through, through through many many years of, of, of the challenges that comes from that I realized that you know as she closed her eyes for the very very last time I didn't want that to be the end of the happiness I wanted to be able to carry that on in some way shape or form for her I just didn't know how and I, that was the thing I didn't know how to do that at the time because obviously as you, you know grief is a is you know it's pretty tough and then over the years I've realized and you know after much heartache that you know if we can create a little bit of more happiness with one person one percent two percent three percent imagine the difference it would make to the world so it's my legacy to my mom Jackie to be able to say that we can still create happiness and when I say create I don't mean it. I mean offer opportunities within our workplaces because imagine if we create happiness as leaders it's it will spread it's like an infection it will spread in a good way though mm. so in answer to your question it was definitely some challenges um, and a legacy a legacy to, to my mom thank you so much for sharing that belinda and i i also lost my mum to breast cancer so i i do understand and i can empathize with you on that and it was probably the trigger for me going on the kindness journey as well so <laughs> so um beautiful beautiful to hear that and uh, I'm very much with you on that one. Um, so your research is looking pretty epic. Um, you know, you've identified some roadblocks to performance um, and, you know, what, what would you like to share a few of those roadblocks and some of the findings that you're, you're finding within the research that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So what we, we've identified that organizations as a whole um, you're bringing together a large group of people and trying to assimilate them. And we know that is fraught with challenges. So we approached it slightly differently. We looked at it from a happiness perspective. So we measure, we, we've um, developed a survey. So the, the Clarity Happiness at Work survey, we've identified through that, that there's particular organizations that have are functioning very well and flourishing but there's an awful lot that are struggling now our research is also going to evolve even more given the most recent circumstances mm, as well yeah absolutely we about, you know, blocks to performance we're talking about creating a happiness culture so now that's something that i think for some organizations they often perceive happiness that, and I, I always joke about this when one of our wonderful clients in the outback said, Belinda, I hope you're not going to make me wear a clown nose and run around and making everybody happy. And, you know, it, that always resonates with me. And I do talk about that a, a lot because you've often got boards and leaders and CEOs that are then thinking, okay, so if I create happiness, 
I'm reducing productivity. The research is unequivocal. If you have a happy, engaged, flourishing workplace, you will have higher productivity. Sorry, could you repeat that? Would you be happy to repeat that? For anyone who's just listening out there, just in case you missed it the first time, what was that, Belinda? What exactly was that? So the research is unequivocal. So if you have happiness as a core focus, so if you've got happy, flourishing, motivated workforces, it increases productivity without a shadow of a doubt. Yes, I could show you lots of studies for and against, but the reality is, as leaders, as bosses, um, if we if we turn our focus and place not just profits, you know, we talk about there's a lot of rhetoric, isn't there? People mm. before profits. People before profits, yes, yes, yes. And then you'll hear, you know, you'll hear that, but is it actually true? You know, are we genuinely doing that? We don't have to sacrifice one for the other. We're not talking about a scale now that if we have one, we can't have the other. What about if we create a culture of, as you're doing with your fantastic work, creating that culture of kindness, mm. creating that culture where happiness is at the center. We're not forcing it. Anybody listening to this, you do not have to wear a clown nose and make everybody laugh. We're talking about kindness and happiness being at the cure, the actual um, core of what each and every one of us are doing as leaders. So, so if it is cutting off a little there, it is because Belinda's actually, it's five o'clock in the morning where Belinda is and she's got up, she looks absolutely gorgeous. She's put, she's put on her makeup, she looks beautiful and she's bringing this big, beautiful brain to the table. She's in Greece. She's having a good time over there in Greece. Um, and we're really, really thankful for tuning in. So if it is dropping in and out, it's because it's because of that. But one of the things I find quite interesting, Belinda, because we work with lots of leaders, is identification of a toxic workplace. And, you know, you might feel like, oh, work's probably not that great sometimes. And the team culture, yes, they have their ebbs and flows. But what are the signs that leaders should look out for for a toxic workplace? I mean, look at the Ellen DeGeneres scenario at the moment. You know, that's a brilliant example of where, you know, and, I, and I'm an advocate for Ellen DeGeneres. I'm sure she's made her mistakes along the way, but it's a prime example of what can occur if there's not active action taking place to maintain a workplace culture. So what, what signs would you say people need to keep an eye out for toxicity in the workplace, Belinda? Yeah, look, it's a good question. Now, I'm going to challenge this one. And yeah, I know, go on. Yeah. And I'm going to challenge it. Now, the reason I'm going to challenge this toxic workplace culture, and I do that in the most respectful way, is what is the notion of toxicity? What is, actually is it? Now, the reason I challenge that is because we often get called into organization. And they say, oh, that person's toxic or this is not working. So I'm going to flip that. I'm going to say that instead of it being a toxic culture, it's a culture that's dysfunctional or it's a culture that needs to turn around and it's underperforming. It hasn't got happiness at the center. And there is a reason why I say this. So if we look at the structure of our brain, if we're constantly talking about toxicity, we're saying it's negative. Well, yes, of course, bullying, harassment, all of those things 100% categorically are not acceptable. But if we always lean towards a deficit model, how can we then provide a flourishing model? So instead of saying it's toxic for me, I always challenge organizations and I say, okay, 
what are the behaviors and patterns that we're seeing that are not at the level that you want right now? So, you know, too often we focus on meeting KPIs and we really don't focus on, well, what are the things that are happening that we don't want to happen? So, you know, instead of looking for weaknesses, first of all, with a, I'd say to leaders, firstly, look at your strengths. So look at what the company is doing well, firstly, and we're going to do more of it. Because if you can find the strength in a company, whether that's you as leaders, whether that's your team, whether that's the diversity and richness of culture that you have, let's focus on that. We then can weed out those behaviors that are non-productive, that are not a creating flourishing environments. So I'm, I know it's challenging um, the question a little bit, but I want to flip that now and say, okay, as leaders, first of all, I want you to look for what's going right and we do more of it. Because often when you seek what's going right, you will seek those toxic behaviors. You know, you will, you will see that there's a disconnection of community, for example. Mm. You will see micro expressions of aggressions or micro expressions of non-productivity. You know, you'll see the extra... And, you know, the time that people are coming in a little bit later, or it's the language use as well. Mm. It's, I know it's a little bit of a... No, a I love it. I absolutely love it. And, you know, we're all about the pulse psych over here and strengths. And, you know, I think it's a beautiful way to frame and a really positive and a, a very kind way to look at, you know, how do you improve that workplace? And, you know, just the word toxic makes me want to vomit a little bit. So, you know, yeah, 100%, like I need to go on a, a green smoothie detox. And I've done a couple of them, I tell you, Belinda. So, you you know, <laughs> not lately, but I've done a few and, you know, I'm never, not, not my favorite things in the world. So, um, look, you are incredibly high achieving, you know, you are a, an incredible, incredible, you know, human that's doing some amazing things and you've actually been awarded 16 times so far. Um, what's your favorite achievement? Look, um, I almost cringe when you said Look, I would say the biggest, the biggest aspect for me is, is what those awards allow us to do and what the achievement allows us to do. You know, it allows us to, to, to build a bigger platform because from my perspective, when I see clients winning, when I see my team winning, that for me is the greatest achievement, the greatest joy, you know, to know that, um, for example, Mark or MK or Anna or any of the team that we work with then have given something, have gained something, you know, being, having something where as an organization, we have a core focus of giving back and, you know, the, the projects have to be bigger than us. So when you talk about achievements, for me, it's knowing that we've achieved something bigger than us. You know, we've, we've done something pretty scary. By the way, we were very anti-awards, I have to tell you. Um, and Annette Denshin, who we work with for our awards, if you ask her, you know, I was the first person that said, oh, no, we don't want to do awards. However, achievements like this allow you to gain a, a larger platform, both here in Australia, not in Australia right now, but in Australia and globally. So I think in the short answer to your question is, is seeing others succeed, seeing others win and seeing the joy on their face 
to know that they've achieved something and that we can now give back greater. So I think that's that for me is the biggest one. I'd be so interested to see what your strengths are. And I'm wondering if, you know, team being a team player is one of them. Uh, and also that big gratitude piece there. Lots, lots of lots of beautiful skills and, and strengths coming through. So thanks for sharing that. Such a lovely perspective again. You know, and there's a lot of pressure and challenges in business and, and it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Um, what would you say is your best tip to happiness as a business owner and an operator? Like, you know, if you're, if you're the lighthouse for happiness and, you know, you're showing up as the best version of yourself for others all the time, how are you, how are you looking after yourself, Belinda? What's, what's your hacks? What's your tips for business owners? I think, first of all, and this this is an interesting one as leaders and we don't often do it. It's, it's putting your life preserver on firstly. It's, you know, when we, you, you often hear the analogy about um, planes, for example, and, and if something terrible was to happen on a plane, you would reach for your oxygen mask first. And that's something as leaders, and I find that with working, you know, with, with clients as well, you know, we'll be, we'll be coaching through some of the challenges that they're having. And often it's related to the fact that you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm. If your cup is empty, you cannot pour from it. You have to reach for your own oxygen mask first. And that's something that I didn't do, by the way, either. You know, I think we've all suffered a little bit of that burnout over the years. So I, I think in terms of if having a culture, developing a culture that's contagious, developing a culture where people want to gravitate to it also as well. And there'll be somebody listening to that podcast like, well, how can you do that? Well, that's the thing. We don't know how. There's no magic recipe. You know, I can show you research papers, um, you know, and there's many, many of them, but it has to be you as a leader. So don't lose your identity for the sake of, a, you know, from a corporate organization perspective. Create your own culture, your own leadership culture of kindness, of happiness, you know, whatever are your core values. And you talked about strengths before, Anna, and I think that's incredibly important as well. So when you ask about the, you know, the tips and the hacks, there isn't one particular one, but I would suggest that, you know, habits and rituals are incredibly important to me. And, you know, the habits and rituals that I have start, you know, at five o'clock in the morning until I go to bed at night. And, you know, that's a whole podcast in itself, but from a peak performance perspective, but what I would suggest is let's take a step back from that and we cannot pour from that empty cup. So my suggestion is whatever you do, whatever your habits and rituals are, it must start with yourself being happy and engaged and flourishing because you can't expect anybody to follow somebody who's not strong in themselves. Beautiful advice right there. And I, I think it's so important. People forget to fill their own cup and there is a massive amount of burnout, especially with business owners and startups and so on and so forth. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. So do you want to do a bit of a quick fire round? Yeah, you went for a little bit of that? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to throw a few questions at you. Um, so first question, what is the one thing you would change in this world if you could? this one's an easy one creating a culture of happiness so that every single organization no longer has people who are burnt out who no longer have mental um mental wellness rates that are not where they should be so if i could change it i will do anything and everything within my power to do that 
Amazing. <laughs> it's impossible to actually be happy all the time. So what do you do to make yourself feel better when you're not having a good day? So this is where I challenge you again. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm really, and the reason why I'm challenging this is that nothing is impossible. So I totally agree with you, by the way, that you cannot have happiness 100% of the time. Physically impossible. I have grouchy days, really grouchy days. My husband will attest to that also as well. Um, but I also say that nothing is impossible. And I live, absolutely live by that motto as well. So what I would suggest is instead of focusing on you know, happiness all the time, let's focus on contentment on that self-assurance. Because if we can find that contentment and that self-assured belief that we're making a difference and that we're doing something greater than ourselves, happiness flows. And when I say flow, I don't mean that we're walking around with a big smile on our face. I'm talking about that, you know, that eudaimonic happiness, that internal happiness that's not driven by extrinsic rewards of, you know, phones and money and, and technology it's not driven by anything else so no you can't be happy all the time but what I would say is it's not impossible mm. <laughs> brilliant <laughs> sir what's the one thing you think leaders should focus on right now to help maintain happiness for their teams because um, it's difficult um, at the minute isn't it yeah, that, and that's why I pause on that. So, and, and the reason why I pause is because at the moment, it's, it's, I, I still believe that leaders have to focus back on themselves firstly. And when I say focus, I don't mean that you, you, know, you have to sit in a meditative pose for the next 20, you know, 21 days. You know, what I'm talking about is, is you have to go back in. And even if you, you, know, you set aside an hour or half an hour to actually go back and revisit those values, revisit what's important to you. Um, there's, a, there's a quote I'll just read um, here. It's um, by Howard Thurman. And he talks about, don't ask what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that so the world needs people who have come alive so I'm going to challenge those listening on you know on the podcast today to just take that time and go to wherever creates abundance and joy and you know let's let's look at what creates flow for you and you know if you want any more information on on flow for example look at um, Professor Csikszentmihalyi's work and um, you know Martin Seligman who talks about positive psychology so let's take a step back Let's reevaluate what creates that flow and that joy for us firstly and come back refreshed because if you're refreshed and if you're energized, can you imagine the difference you're going to make to people? And there's a lot of people struggling out there right now, a lot of people talking about it, but unfortunately our mental wellness rates across the world are, have, um, have taken you know, a, a significant um, decrease. And um, as we know, you know, the mental mental wellness is incredibly important and those rates are nowhere near where they should be. We have a um, you know, higher incidence of, um, you know, of death by suicide and, you know, all of those challenging things that um, I know for some people that would be very challenging to hear. But as leaders, let's be that difference. Let's be that change. Let's be that 1%. Start with one person. Start with yourself firstly and then work out from it. It's a very long answer to your question. It was, but it was lovely. So don't you worry. Um, <laughs> I know you like to talk about that sandwich analogy earlier. So just out of curiosity, what's your favourite sandwich? 
Do you know, this one's really challenging. So I I'm not going to judge you based on this, but I am a little <laughs> bit. What's your favourite sandwich? <laughs> so I could go the whole, oh, have to have a leadership sandwich and all of those things. But I'm thinking, okay, if I eat eggs, I don't eat eggs at the moment because I'm vegetarian, I would say curried egg sandwich. So if Anna's listening, who is our chief happiness officer, she'll be laughing at this because she knows I absolutely love curried egg sandwiches and she'll also be squirming at the thought of it. Or I would say curried corn salad on a very delicious brown bread. Ooh, so the moral of the story is you just throw curry on everything and it's nicer. <laughs> vegetarian. It's a very good, it's the only option. It's a good strategy. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, so, you know, what should we expect to see of you in the future, Belinda? What should we expect to see of you in the future? And how can people get involved with you? Oh, look, and, and that's a, a great question. And, and thank you very, very much. In terms of what can people expect to, to see from us, and I think more broadly as well, the, the piece that you and I, um, because yourself and your team are also working very, you know, there's a lot of synergies in what we're, um, what we're doing. I think from, a, from an organisational perspective, I think that mental wellness focus, creating psychologically sound workplaces, is where this piece needs to move to. So I'm going to focus from a corporate, you know, perspective. But if anybody's listening that has a small or medium, uh, small business in particular, we can still do this. You know, we can still have this foundational um, kindness, gratitude, happiness at the core of what we do. There's incredibly successful organisations all around the world that are doing this. That put their people. You know, you only have to look to some of the the big organisations like Zappos and Google. They have the chief happiness officers. Deloitte's have the chief wellness officer as well and um, if Jen Fish is listening to this you know there's you know there's the chief happiness officers and chief wellness officers we want to see those in every single company in the world it's gargantuan I know a little bit like Everest it's a, sometimes I think it's a, a, a ridiculously impossible goal but there is nothing that's impossible I think we're going to see a shift as well we're going to see a shift in professional development we're going to see a shift in that micro learnings that we need so it's you and I connecting for smaller occasions more often mm -hmm. so it's not this big piece where we talk about um you know we've got these distant teams now. I think what we're going to find is that we're going to have these hybrid models of working and also the hybrid models of learning as well, where we get to connect regularly, you know, on a daily, weekly basis, rather than leaving it three to six months before we meet and connect and hopefully not on Zoom either. And I think now I've spoken to you and I've had this lovely opportunity to chat to you, I really do think anything is possible. Thank you so much for your time today, Belinda. Take care of yourself. And I very much hope we'll see you again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Project Good Boss. Bambuda Group is a social enterprise providing leadership coaching for corporate leaders, business owners, and operators. We believe in a future where every leader is committed to creating a sustainable world of equality and opportunity for everyone. If you are a game-changing leader and you have an amazing story of how your business is making the world a kinder and a better place, we would love to hear from you. Visit bambudagroup.com or slide up into our DMs. And finally, you should know, for every paid member we have in our network, we provide scholarships to reduce inequalities in leadership and business. 
thank you to Sonic Union for editing this episode, Blur Roberts for writing and performing Project Good Boss and design by Flair Creative. Thank you for being kind today. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you again next time. Yeah!